You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. This week's Something to Talk About reflects on the sermon from last Sunday called What is Inside? And I learned personally that that's only half of the equation. While it's important to focus on what's on the inside, that is also a reflection of what comes out. So we talk a bit more about that in today's episode. Enjoy! Well, hello there. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. It's let's not fool anyone. It's nine o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I am I am in comfort zone. Here. <laughs> well, it, it won't be when you post it. <laughs> That's true. The magic of, of podcasting. So you are uh, a world traveler yet again, or a, or a country traveler. <laughs> At least a state traveler this time. This time. Uh, so that is why we are doing this on the phone again, which is always interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, we're actually at, um, we're in Lansing, uh, near your sister's, uh, we're actually at your sister's home church right now. I thought you were going to uh, say you're at my sister's house. <laughs> yeah, no, no like, well, uh, but we, uh, we, my brother Jeff and I have, uh, we're at a, a preaching cohort or a Bible study cohort uh, through Leadership Resource Institute. Um, we call it Fellowship of the Word. And so we've been studying the book of Mark today, uh, working through Bible, uh, Bible study principles. And it's been a neat thing. It's hosted at South Church in Lansing, Michigan, which is um, your sister's church where she attends. So it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Very cool. I wish I had time to hook up with her. I'm going to probably send her a text after I get done podcast. Very nice. And you're you said Jeff is there too, right? He is. He's not in the room with me currently. I was going to say we can have a, a special guest here. <laughs> yeah, if, if he comes in, we'll have him join the podcast. But awesome. Uh, he's well, connecting with his sons right now. That is important. Um, so. We'll try to continue on with things as as normal as possible. So this is something to talk about, and we are going to talk about uh, last week's, wow, last week already, uh, Sunday's sermon. Um, And we we teased it a little bit, as usual, uh, on Friday. Um, And I know that for me, uh, uh, listening on Sunday and and kind of letting it uh, marinate for a while, you know, when we were, when we were talking about it last week, always about food, isn't it? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm making little egg muffins for my child to have tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. I'm just drinking coffee at night at night. That's also smart. Um, so anyway, after letting it sit for a while, um, I, I, it seemed last week when we were talking about it and kind of previewing the, the sermon, I guess I got the vibe that, you know, it's the old adage of, it's what's on the inside that counts, which is true, and which is the the basis of of what Jesus is saying here in this section of Luke. But it's it when we when we really got down to it, it's it's it felt like a lot more than that. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to kind of give a quick summary to start us off of what what the, what we're gonna dive into here, that'd be great. You know, it's funny as you say that it reminds me of a scene from the Dark Knight, not from the Dark Knight, from Batman Begins, uh, the Christian Bale Batman movie where um, Bruce Wayne's girlfriend says to him, basically, and I won't quote it exactly, but basically it's it's not who you are on the inside. It's what you do about it that, that matters. And right. so that kind of points to the balance between the two things, because it is 
what what is on the inside. But if what's on the inside doesn't come out uh, into your actions, then we have to question whether it actually really is on the inside. And exactly. So okay. That's kind of really what Jesus is getting at in the latter part of Luke 11 here. And, and we picked up with verse 29 and went through uh, verse 54. And um, as he's addressing the crowds, Jesus has this really great way of, of building a following. As soon as the crowds start to get big, he says something horribly offensive and, and they go away. But, um, but as the crowds increased, he says, this is a wicked generation. Ask for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And elsewhere, the sign of Jonah is connected with his death and resurrection. <clears throat> I think it's clear that that's what he has in mind here. But the emphasis that Luke has in this passage is on the repentance. Jonah goes to the Ninevites, these Gentile enemies of God's people, and proclaims God's judgment. He doesn't even really call them to repentance. He just says, God's going to destroy you. And they repent and and beg for God's mercy. God shows them mercy, and uh, that was what Jonah was afraid of in the first place. But uh, he also then refers to the queen of the south who came to seek wisdom from Solomon. And again, a Gentile queen uh, coming up from Africa to um, to pursue this wisdom that she perceived Solomon as having. And he, Jesus says, now one greater than Solomon is here, and you're ignoring it. You're, you're not taking in this wisdom. You just want signs. You just want more tricks. You want all this external stuff. So he talks about this idea of, um, of the eye being the lamp of the body, or really it's the, the lens that lets the light in to illuminate the body. It's really the, the picture that he's giving us here when it says the lamp of the body. Um, and referring to the, the truth of who he is, the, the gospel of the kingdom and the light uh, that Christ brings, when that when we take that in, when we allow that inside of us and that fills us up, then it's, uh, it becomes as if uh, a, a lamp is shining on us because we're full of light without any in us. And we have to be wise about receiving the light. We also have to be wise about not receiving what is not light and, and keeping things out. Then he encounters uh, Pharisees and, and uh, lawyers, uh, experts in the Jewish law, the ceremonial law. And um, he goes to their house and they're looking to trap him, that, but he does it anyway. And uh, As they're walking through this, they see him, uh, not go through the ceremonial hand washing, the ceremonial cleansing before the meal. And uh, so he confronts them immediately. He says, you guys are so busy cleaning the outside of the cup and the dish, you forget the inside while it's full of greed and wickedness, speaking of their hearts, um, and calls them to something greater. So, and then he pronounces these six woes or condemnations uh, on them. And, and in the in the sermon, we talked about his six ways to ruin everything or how to be a hypocrite in six easy steps. And he kind of goes through these ideas that, that um, they've got this tendency to, to focus on the details and miss the point. And so the six points we came through corresponding to the six woes that he declares there are, you know, to, if you really want to be a hypocrite, if you really want to ruin everything, then start by majoring on the minors. That's what they're doing. Majoring on the minors. They're mm -hmm. focusing on tithing 
detailed amounts, but they're not watching out for justice. They're not promoting the love of God. They're not uh, having uh, generosity and compassion on their fellow man. Uh, a second way to ruin everything and be a hypocrite is to seek status and repent and, and respect. Uh, he says, woe to them because they love the most important seats and they love to be noticed and have uh, the, these respectful greetings in the marketplaces. It's interesting, as we've been talking about the book of Mark today at this uh, Fellowship of the Word, one of the things that becomes really clear in the book of Mark, it's a big emphasis for him, is that uh, Jesus is not only the sovereign king, he is also the suffering servant, and his followers also suffer. Mm -hmm. There is no crown before the cross. Right. We have to go through the the... the uh, the suffering in order to get to the glory. Well, he calls us but to take up our cross. Absolutely does. And, and, and Peter says he gave us this example that we should follow in his steps. But when we are concerned about respect and status, that pride in our own lives, that desire for what isn't, it doesn't seem on the surface to be bad to, to want respect. But when we seek after status and respect, then we end up sacrificing the the selflessness. We end up sacrificing the ability to suffer for the cross, to be able to um, be willing to debase ourselves because the status and respect end up becoming something that separates us from God. The interesting thing about that point to me, that one in particular is, um, you know, like you, like you just said, we all want, you know, some kind of respect, general respect from people. But when you, when you look at it from, from that standpoint, I think even people with the best of intentions, you know, and I'm thinking about these, these uh, people who know the law and, and practice the law in, in who Jesus is talking to, and I'm trying to compare them to, to people today, these religious figures, popular religious figures, or, you know, people who, who have influence over others. You know, even if you start out with the best of intentions and you start out with, with the right frame of mind and the right, uh, the, the right heart for it all, it's very easy to, I guess, get caught up in the world and start to think yeah. that you're maybe a little too big for your britches, I guess, at some point right. and, and yeah. lose sight of, of reality. Well, and, and we've seen that even, even recently uh, with um, prominent pastors who mm -hmm. have uh, been removed from their ministries for those same things for, for pride issues, essentially. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to dogpile on anybody or right. anything like that. And we're all, we are any sinner in the right situation is capable of any sin. So it's not, I don't want to point fingers at anybody else, but that's just, it, it's sort of a, a, a warning shot to all of us. When we see that happen, we need to recognize that can happen to any of us. Right. When and to seek status and respect. But it's interesting we don't that... don't usually start out looking for that. Right, right. It's interesting that when you get it, God takes you down a peg. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. And and that happens over and over and over again. Um, God has a tendency to destroy idols. Right. So when something is competing with God, with that, with his, his place in our lives, um, it ends up being destroyed. Right. And that's not someplace that, that we want to be. So it, it really is um, important for us to recognize that seeking status and respect, while that might not seem bad, and that's we, we're promoting that in our society all the time, mm -hmm. that we should you know, be looking for respect. 
building a reputation and all that kind of stuff. And it's not that those are inherently wrong. In fact, we, we prefer to have respect than not have respect. We prefer to, to gain favor with others, but not uh, as a goal in itself where that becomes uh, something that we're pursuing. That becomes a distraction to us when that's the case. And, you know, the, someone may say, well, it's just natural for, that, for us to do it. Yes, so is every sin. Right. <laughs> Everything sinful is something that comes naturally. If that's what what you want to make as your argument, that's not really a valid uh, platform to stand on to say, well, you know, that should be okay. No, because if someone gets in my way and I murder them, I'm acting naturally. That's you know survival of the fittest. That doesn't make murder right just because it's natural. So the the urges that people have lead them into adultery and any number of, of different debauched situation situations that doesn't make any of that right just because it's natural. And that's a flawed logic that we use a lot in our society. Well, that makes me happy. That's how I was, you know, I was born that way. That's how I was made uh, to be fulfilled. No, that none of that is valid. God created you and gives you a purpose. And what you think is natural to you is not really the point. Uh, and he also didn't tell you that you're supposed to be happy all the time. <laughs> Absolutely right. That's, that's right. Uh, happiness is a byproduct of, of choices that lead to happiness. So there are a lot of times when doing the right thing, doing the good thing, doesn't in the moment make us happy. You know, It that, can make that, you feel miserable. <laughs> absolutely can. Uh, but that happiness is not a way to determine right and wrong. So, so anyway, that, you know, those are the first two parts of it. Uh, we talked about um, another way, a third way to, to ruin everything and uh, be a hypocrite is to subtly corrupt others. And mm-hmm. Jesus compared these Pharisees to unmarked graves where people were being defiled by contact with the, the graves and the death uh, without even knowing because they weren't marked. And so uh, that same kind of a thing uh, is true when we influence others in a way that, that uh, corrupts them or, or uh, leads them down a dark path or taints the the truth in their lives uh, we need to be careful about that so uh my brother just uh re-entered the room so Hello, Jeff. He'll, he'll join us in a moment here <laughs> he's got his coffee so we're you know we're we are coffeeed up and wow i feel out of the loop right now <laughs> uh, uh yeah but you're making you're making food there that's so. true uh, on a super important note, are you feeling any better these days? I think I may have a sinus infection. So. <laughs> Great. I'm trying really hard to hold one off. So, so we'll go with that. <laughs> um, a fourth way for us to ruin everything and be a hypocrite is uh, to develop rules to measure godliness. And, and uh, he spoke to the teachers of the law, <coughs> excuse me, the experts in the law and, and um rebuked them for the burdens that they laid on people while they um, were not willing to lift a finger to help them with those with those things and I think that's an area that we can really get uh, caught up as Christians where uh, we start to use our own human logic to decide well if if this is a good thing then we're gonna make a bunch of rules that that keep us in uh, in safe places, 
So then never do this and never do that. And, and that'll prove how spiritual we are. That'll prove that we're godly. Right. And if you, if you break these rules, then you're clearly not as spiritual as somebody else. And I think it's easy for us to fall into that uh, and, and get into a legalistic kind of situation as well. So th- those are areas that we need to be, be watchful of. And, uh, well, we kind of even talked about that um, was a couple weeks ago with, uh, when Jesus came to um, uh, the home of Martha and Mary. Oh, I think oh, yeah. when, you know, she, she, when it comes to rules and what you're supposed to do or what you think you're supposed to do and then what you're actually supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's really important for us to recognize this one. Actually, one of the principles that we talk about in, in fellowship of the word is to, is this, this idea of staying on the line mm-hmm. that the, the, the text of the scripture tells us what God expects from us. Right. And when we begin to add to it and go above the line or take away from it and go below the line, then we're distorting what God says. And so what these teachers of the law did was they would add these extra rules or measurements of spirituality um, that would go above the line. Uh, and in, in that whole process, they weren't making people more spiritual. They were just adding more religious rules. And that's a pretty dangerous place, especially if we're not keeping them. So then we go below the line. Uh, in other areas, because we can't sustain that, we can't, you know, right. we can't keep up with the rules. That we so, what's the purpose of that then? What was their gain in that, in 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 creating these impossible rules, essentially, for everybody to follow each one so strictly? I think it's a little dangerous to 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 speculate about um, someone's interior motivations, uh, especially you know, two thousand years later, right. when I don't really know, but. It, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to look at how we tend to do it in general. And there are a couple of ways that, uh, that we seem to benefit from, uh, from adding to, or, or, you know, to creating these extra burdens or these extra rules or measures. Uh, one of them is well-intentioned in that we want to keep people safe. So we want, sure, we sure. want to make sure, uh, if you can imagine, a. um, <clears throat> You know, a parent uh, whose children are Hansel and Gretel, and you know that they have a tendency to wander through uh, the woods and eat people's houses and end up <laughs> stuck in a pot. Well, you don't want them to do that. And so you say, hey, don't go to this house and, and uh, get eaten by a witch. Don't go to this house and then start eating the siding. Uh, well, sounds like my strange addiction show. <laughs> so, so they, they, so they go and do that. Well, that's not good enough. Right. So I want to keep them from even getting close to the house. So I'm going to say, now you don't go to the woods gotcha, at all. Gotcha. Don't, don't go out there. So, you know, a little less ridiculous setting. If I don't want to, and I remember hearing this in youth group as a kid, you know, people would talk about, you know, what, uh, as often would happen with teenagers. Well, uh, how far, if you're in an intimate relationship, uh, you know, you're dating or whatever, how, how much intimacy is too much? How far is, how far can you go, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so youth pastors would say, well, if, if you don't want to fall off a cliff, is that Oliver? That's Lorelex. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to fall off a cliff, then don't get close to the edge. Don't, right. don't go near the rail. Uh, and so it's that kind of a mentality, but there's, 
there has to be a little bit more thought involved in it. And so what we end up doing is we then we create more and more guardrails and we, we artificially uh, build rules that are designed to keep us safe, but actually just put us in a different form of danger. That makes me think of one of the one of the clients I have for work is um, they do some therapy and psychology stuff. And a lot of times they want to talk about different triggers and people people staying away from things that trigger them in certain ways, whether it's with uh, substance abuse or or sexual relations or things like that to to just avoid your triggers as much as possible. And right. I and in a sense I get that, but when we're talking about it in this light, it almost seems like if we're creating these extra rules and regulations and whatever to put in place to if you want to say keep us safe or or keep us protected from things, we're kind of just slowly boxing ourselves in to become kind of numb to reality. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's a really good picture of what we're um, talking about here in this text. Jesus is talking about fixing the inner person mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the outer person. And and if all we're trying to do, I apologize for the messages there. <laughs> You're very popular. The uh, If all we're doing is trying to avoid triggers, then we're just dealing with external things. We're not changing what creates that trigger on the inside. Right, exactly. So, so then we're 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 dealing again just with external stuff, not with the whole person. And as mm-hmm. is talking about all of these things, okay, that messaging is going to drive me nuts here. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna okay. So you can blame my sister for this. <laughs> um, I will. The thing she, she got mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> the whole concept here is to get beyond just the external to make it a, a real change in the whole person. Right. And so developing rules outside of what God expects from us isn't actually connecting us with God. It's just creating okay. an external illusion that we've got something better going on. That makes a little clearer picture for me anyway. <laughs> so um, last two ways that, that he talked about that these Pharisees and religious leaders uh, ruin everything and, and become hypocrites and the true of us as well uh, is to hide your sin in religious activity. And, and we see a lot of examples of that today where, where we heap up our activities and we we're busy, busy in the church and we do things that, that look so good while we still have corruption inside uh, much like um, these teachers of the law who were doing the same things that their forefathers did in, in killing the prophets as they're rejecting Christ. Uh, and yet they uh, had this pietistic uh, religious thing of building tombs to honor these prophets that their forefathers killed. So hiding your sin in religious activity is a terrible thing. And the last one is to, to hinder the spiritual walk of others. It, if we, in our teaching or in our practice, keep others from uh, coming to or growing in Christ by the by the things that we um, teach them or the way that we lead them or the way that we live our lives, uh, then we are doing the opposite of everything that, that God wants us to do. And that's a big problem for us in our world today. And, and we have um, this, we've talked so much about the no rules kind of attitude that, that we have, that there's 
this postmodern mentality of, you know, there's no external truth. There's no objective truth uh, that, that we, um, that we can recognize as absolutely always true. And even in the church that's crept in where um, things that have historically been recognized for 2000 years in the Christian church as universally um, clearly acknowledged as sin commanded in the scripture as sin. Um, now we're teaching it's okay. So what used to be, you know, using excuses like it's outdated or it didn't really mean that or whatever. Right. right. So what, what, what we used to call fornication. Now we call uh, healthy sexuality, you know, it's, right. Right. We want to, we want to reform our, um, our way of thinking. We want to uh, revolutionize our morality based on the culture around us rather than on the word that's been revealed. That's so, Oliver. <laughs> I recognize that part from the UCF day. But the, the, you know, that goes along with the LGBTQ plus agenda as well. You know, we've gone beyond trying to... It's not loving when we're not honest. And right. so we, we've gone to this... Mentality. Which that in itself, that statement, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that statement in itself is probably one of the most offensive things you can say nowadays. <laughs> well, it really is. And, and, and that's where we've gotten to be. And, and sadly, we've allowed that mentality to sink into us in the church as well that, um, you know, <laughs> we just want to please people. We want, right. we want people happy. And, so and, we, rather don't, and than, we don't want to offend anybody. We, and rather than offend people, we just don't tell them the truth. Right. And Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, then what good is it except to be thrown in the street and trampled? Right. So that's his view of his church when we're not willing to speak truth. So. It's it's uh, so these these six things and I know this is, you know, it sounds like a really bad infomercial, the, <laughs> the title that you gave it. But um, it's it's a lot. And but it, but it, what it comes down to to me is it's just a lot of distortion of the word. Correct. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and ultimately, isn't that what always happens? Well, in yeah. <laughs> sinful situations, you know, the, we the try to justify it. Things. Yeah. Well, the devil doesn't create things. He twists things right. that God created. And so when he can take things that uh, seem good and, and use them to take us away from God, like <clears throat> the Pharisees uh, majoring on the minors and, you know, the tie of this good, Jesus said, you should have done that for mm -hmm. sure, mm -hmm. but not at the expense of doing the greater issue of, of taking care of people. Right. So there's a lot of things that go along with that. And we have to be very, very careful in church world, to borrow an Andy Stanley phrase, uh, we have to be very careful in church world not to um, think that, <laughs> that if... <laughs> If a little is good, then a lot is better. That's not how things work. When God says this is how it is, and we add to that, we inherently ruin and distort it. If we get focused in on minute details, but don't see the forest for the trees, then we also ruin and distort. We, we, need, to, we need to be focused on what is it that God is saying? What is God 
mean in what he's saying so that in other words not not trying to change the meaning of it but trying to to understand and perceive what is actually being said right and then what does that look like right now today and in this text in in luke 11 what jesus is saying to the crowds and to the uh to the leaders there is look this isn't about going through the motions it's not about checking all the boxes on the outside this is about surrendering your whole self your whole person from the inside out um, receiving and believing from the inside and letting that then drive what happens in your outer actions so and if uh, and and you can assume you know one way or another that like you said at the beginning of of our talk here if your outside actions are reflective of something else you can assume that that's really not within you right yeah and and what is within us then changes what's what comes out, out. What, what comes out and for that to happen it can't be because we're developing we're not making up truth on our own right it has to be because we've received an objective external truth the word of god right and so when external truth becomes internal reality in other words what's objectively true becomes something that i have internalized and own then the internal holiness that results from that the change in me the new heart that god gives me in that regenerated state then becomes external righteousness that's a lot of a lot of words you know <laughs> well so external truth becomes internal reality then internal holiness becomes external righteousness so to dumb that down so to speak what i started with the old cliche of it's what's on the inside that counts is not necessarily untrue but it's only half of the equation right not untrue but incomplete right I think that's a good place to end it because my dogs are barking and you're getting text messages. <laughs> and, and I didn't even give my brother a chance to talk. I'm he, sorry, he, Jeff. You're smiling. I was, I was nodding my head a lot, but you didn't hear me. That's that I've, I have discovered over time that that doesn't work well for podcasts. <laughs> Maybe on the live stream. Maybe on the live stream. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And Jeff, thank you for nodding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should be back to, to normal with the live stream and everything uh, next week, I believe. Um, so until then. Go anywhere. So. Well, let's hope. <laughs> so until then, uh, we will talk on the Friday episode about what's coming up next week. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Rich. All right, thanks. Bye-bye.